Good afternoon all, Steve Parisi here with IBC Global. Hope your day is off to a fantastic start as usual. Today, we have a special guest, someone that I've known for, we were just talking about three or four years. We gotta go back and look at the exact start date. Uh, but Robert, oh, his name's Robert Nelson. Robert, how are you this morning or this afternoon, I should say? Ah, Steve, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you again, my friend. Uh, likewise, thanks so much for taking some time. I know you're busy. Uh, you and the family always have a lot in your plate, but I, I appreciate you taking some time today. Well, today during our conversation, we're going to discuss cash value life insurance and all things related. Um, but before we just jump into that, uh, just to kind of help the audience uh, know you, uh, if, you'd, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, a little bit of your background or your industry, I think that'll be uh, valuable just as we get into the, the cash value life insurance discussion. Yeah, no, Steve, be happy to. So first of all, I um, live in North Carolina and uh, originally from the Carolinas, born and raised in South Carolina. And I, I call myself a country boy because I grew up in a really small town uh, south of Charlotte, about an hour south of Charlotte. And, you know, I um, grew up there with my, my parents, both parents and my older sister and and uh, went off to school in Atlanta and had opportunity to go there. And I, I uh, studied engineering, so a mechanical engineering degree. And um, that was, that was my, um, my, my trade, so to speak, coming out of school. And I did that for a couple of years and, and really enjoyed uh, the engineering world, but had a bit more towards people and, and just really um, transitioned over a couple of years into the biopharmaceutical industry. And, and I've been in the biopharmaceutical industry now for over 20 years and uh, with various companies in different roles. And um, so currently um, on the commercial side of things with the biopharmaceutical bio company and um, on the commercial side and lead teams and, and work closely with our health systems and payers to ensure access for patients to medications. And our companies um, really focus on science and, and driving innovation and ensuring that uh, we continue to supply uh, patients with medications and and education and resources they need to uh, feel better and and uh, delivering healthcare locally is kind of our focus. But but in my role, just working within teams, um, being innovative with our delivery, and and that's that's really where I've, I've been the last uh, twenty plus years or so in this industry. And uh, it's afforded us and, and my family now, my wife and two kids, the the opportunity to continue to you know give back to the community and, and really. Um, uh, uh, dig our heels in and build some roots here. We've, we've relocated five times, Steve, up and down the East Coast. So we've moved a lot. And, and so uh, now we're full circle back in the Carolinas. And uh, it, it's nice to be close to family. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're definitely excited about uh, the future and, and where we are and where we're headed. So Wow. Nice. Th thanks for sharing that. How's that in your industry? How's that been the past two years, just with COVID specifically? Yeah, it's been challenging. You know, it really has. You think about how, you know, when COVID first hit, you know, it was like, what is this? How do we respond? And, you know, our organization, just proud to work for an organization that uh, produced, you know, testing equipment and really was at the forefront of uh, helping come to the aid of the American people and, and really working to bring solutions. And, uh, but it changed how we work. I mean, like everyone else, virtual world became our normal world. Um, and so a lot of our customers and individuals we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, um, they were on the front lines. And yeah. so, you know, we shifted to supporting them the best way we could. Um, we, we also, you know, in, in our line of business, we had some uh, therapeutics that were used for, 
for COVID. And so we were able to supply those to institutions and health systems. And, and so it really just shifted our whole focus overnight um, and it allowed us to uh, really rally around the cause and, and support um, you know, our health system overall, but it definitely changed how we do business. You know, yeah. the virtual world, man, I tell you, it's, it's different. It's definitely different. And, and um, you know, even coming out of the pandemic here, hopefully very soon, it's, it, it creates a little bit of a virtual or a hybrid type virtual world where there's still a mixture of, of some live and, and hybrid going on. And I foresee that being the case moving forward for, for the unforeseen future. I, I agree with you. It, it's, it makes life easier with the hybrid, that's for sure. Some people like to work um, in the office around other people. More innovation is created that way often, uh, but then you can just sit down and crank at home. So, I mean, yes. pros and cons to both. both Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So, thank you for sharing that. So, engineering background, um, and I know you just from our experience to be analytical, um, we did click in some respects that way. But then also you've got some stuff going on on the side, um, particularly real estate. But you mentioned that entrepreneurial mindset since the age of 15. I like the way you put that. Um, so the stuff you do on the side, is it primarily real estate or anything in addition to that? Yeah. So, you know, back in 2003, you know, my wife and I kind of started our real estate journey and it was actually kind of happenstance the way it occurred, Steve. We um We've been married for a couple of years and we we lived in I actually purchased a townhome in the city we were in and and we lived in one side of it. And after year two, we decided to build our first family home and and, um, you know, we built that home and we were saying, OK, what do we do with this townhome? Do we sell it? Do we keep it? And uh, we decided to keep that townhome. And, um, you know, and so it turned out to be that was the beginning of our journey into real estate. And so we we dabbled in real estate for several years and different, um, you know, single families, different things of that nature. And and, um, you know, we kind of went through a period of time when we started building our family and we were relocating. I mentioned all the relocations we had. And so after about eight or 10 years of, of the real estate world, you know, we kind of calmed down and start focusing on our careers and our family. And then I guess back, gosh six, five, six years ago, we started back, um, you know, really wrapping that side up. And, and my wife's amazing. She does a lot of property management and manages that portion portion of our business. But it's, it's something we've always had affinity for. And uh, just really enjoy that, that, that part of, um, of our, our business is, is the real estate piece. So that's one piece. And then another piece that I don't know if I told you much about this, but over the pandemic, um, I started a, a skincare and healthcare a company and uh, Dr. Topic Oils. And that's something that just rooted out of the pandemic, but really from her passion, her background in science and, and just the um, passion she has for healing and helping people. And, and so um, she's developed and formulated multiple formulations for uh, you know, whether it's hair growth and even last time you saw me, I didn't even have my beard, Steve. So I see the, the beard, the beard growth serum she created. I use that to even grow my beard. Right. So, so a lot of the things she developed just, um, are rooted in just the healing portions and just really helping people, whether it's hair growth, whether it's joint pain, things of that nature. So, uh, Dr. Topicals was rooted over the, it was built out of the pandemic as well. So that's another, uh, business that, um, that we actively support and, and, and grow. So, wow. so yeah, so we're, we're busy. Nice. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. I, I didn't know that, but that that's great that Dwell is doing that, especially if she enjoys it. Um, look at that. Talk about being productive during the pandemic. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nice. 
So let's transition into a little bit about the cash value life insurance side. Um, so when you, it was whole life insurance specific when we first connected, but before before we talk about where you and I first connected, remember the day that I received that email to the info account, had you been exposed to or were you familiar with whole life insurance before reaching out to us or did you find us in your initial research phase? You know, I had not, Steve. I'll tell you, um, you know, the mindset around money growing up in, in my community was was taboo. We just didn't talk about it, you know, because it wasn't a lot of it, right? And so, you know, the mindset was you go to school, you get out of school, you get a job, you work hard, and, and you save your money. And, um, you know, I saw that model throughout my family, throughout my community. Uh, you know, my grandfather worked for 40 years at the same manufacturing plant, right? And he retired and gave him a gold watch. And, and so, you know, that was the model. And so that was the mindset, you know, growing up. And, and so um, I didn't know anything different. And, and, you know, so for the first you know, portion of my career, that's what I did. And, you know, contribute to your 401k, you do all those things people tell you to do. And I guess it was uh, several years ago, you know, you, I've always had this burning of there's something else, there's something different out there just in researching. And I think a lot of us in part with the entrepreneurial piece, right? Just having that entrepreneurial gene for years and just like, you know, how do you build repeatable systems? How do you get out of the rat race? How do you do different things that can help you advance quicker? And, uh, you know, our passion and energy is really fueled in generational wealth. It's how do we build generational wealth? And so in the quest to learn more about that and researching it, I came across a book and I was reading this book and um, the book was Five Day Weekend by Nick Halleck. And the book was really um, talking about different ways to build multiple streams of income. And so that's a big part of what we believe in as well as multiple streams of income. And, and, and in that book, it gave a little bit of a teaser, but not a lot of information around, you know, um, whole life insurance and, and, um, you know, how the Rockefellers built their wealth, things of that nature. And, and so I started reading that and that really intrigued me. So after I read that book, it put me on a quest to learn more about this strategy. And so literally, Steve, for nine months, I read, I researched, I looked at YouTube videos, I reached out to people, and I was trying to understand this strategy and what is this vehicle? What is whole life cash value? What does it mean? How does it work? And so I did all this research for reaching out to you. And one of the things you, you've learned about us is that we're big on team, right? You've met several of our team members. You've met with our attorney. You, you know, we're big on building a team. So one of the things I always talk about is I want to find a person, the best person in the country at, at this, who can, do, who can do this really, really well. And so in my quest in interviewing different companies, different people, I came across your information. And so, you know, we had a discussion. We had several meetings. Um, you ran illustrations for me. And like you, know, like you said, engineer analytics side of me, I love the illustrations. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what happens at this point? What's going on there? And so that was really intriguing for me. And just the time that you put into uh, explaining and educating us around those pieces was, was really important. And um, so that's what really what led us to IBC Global and, and to your team. And um, and that's uh, that's kind of the journey. But literally, Steve, for nine months, I mean, I used to lose sleep. I was obsessed. I was just trying to absorb as much information and content about this concept as possible because, A, I'd never heard of it. B, it just sounded too good to be true. And I'm like, is this legal? And is this legit? <laughs> and, um, you know, like I said, we looked at our why. And our why was the generational wealth. And also, um, how do we how do we build something that, 
uh, goes beyond us, right? And, and then also, how do we leverage our cash, you know, value? And because all growing up, it was always about um, save your money, save your money. And now I'm thinking differently about the velocity of money. How do I keep my money moving, right? Stagnant money is dead money. And so how do you keep your money moving? And so this really appealed to me. Gotcha. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate the in-depth info like that. Um, on the generational wealth side, so you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, life insurance is a way, it, the best way, in my opinion, to leave generational wealth because you've got that death benefit that's paid out income tax-free. If you proper, if you structure it properly through the, the right trusts and such, it can also be passed to the next generation estate tax-free. Um, but that's on the death benefit side. And then leading into the cash value side, which is actually leveraging the money and being able to use it. I remember when you first reached out, um, what I was impressed with is you had a, a fairly clear picture of what you wanted, where the, the email read something along the lines of, here's the amount of money I'm thinking about allocating to a policy. I wanna see the most efficient strategy to get the money into the policy. Cash value is important at right? the death benefit as well, but how do I optimize that cash value? Um, and then you also mentioned um, another thing, and this may have been during our calls, that you were also speaking with, I think, two other agents. And correct me if I'm wrong, as part of your process, whenever you look at a, a certain strategy or product to vet a number of people just to, to do your due diligence, um, and, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but take the emotion out of the decision-making process so you get all the numbers, all the strategies up front, and you can make the, the proper choice. Absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. Our minimum minimum of three, three to five, you know, firms, you know, just kind of wanted to source different uh, firms to understand um, different strategies, philosophies, um, you know, because what we learned through that process is that uh, everyone designs policies a little bit different. They may say the same, but design them different. And so until you actually see the illustration, until you actually see, you know, how the policy can perform and behave under certain circumstances, whether it's seven pay, whether it's 20 years, whether it's, you know, dumping this much in, I wanted to see those. And so, I mean, literally there were days where I'd spread things out on my desk. I'd have different company, you know, illustrations trying to compare because, you know, and you know, I don't even know if I've shared this with you, but I had multiple companies run the same things you ran just so I could see apples to apples, you know, and I wanted to look at it versus different carriers, different time periods. And that's just me being analytical, but that's, that's really what, what we did and how we landed you know, IBC Global, a lot of it was just the team approach, right? Um, you know, no pressure. It, it was, you guys were open and, and willing to uh, help us reach our goals and, and, you know, even helping us define what those were. And, and I was clear about what we wanted to do with the, the cash value because the entrepreneurial piece, right? Because we see, uh, you know, a lot of people think of money. They say, well, money is the root of all evil. Well, you know what? That's not true. Wow. The love of money is the root of all evil, <laughs> right? And, and so, so for us, it came down to how do we leverage that cash value and keep it moving constantly? Because, you know, the death benefit is great, but I think about the life benefits. And I wanted to make sure that we could maximize that piece. And one of the things I remember learning in my research and studying is, you know, the value of the, the dollar being able to, to maximize the dollar three times, right? Not only saving it, spending it and also investing it. You can do all that within this policy. And I'm like, that concept really just kind of messed my head up. I'm like, how can you do that? And, and, so, and so when I realized that you can do that, I'm like, I want to maximize this thing. And so that's really where that, 
that clear vision came from, Steve, on, on how to optimize the cash value and what it meant to us to do that and how that was going to help fuel and fuel the dream and really build a lot of the other businesses and things that we've, um, we've set out to do. Got it. Thank you. Uh, and I like wh where you mentioned you took the illustrations from a number of different carriers and such, spread it all out, analyzed it. I love that because I, I do the same thing. Um, there's a, I'm working on finishing a book right now just with the recent 7702 change. And there's times, uh, my wife, it was Sunday yesterday, I'm working on it uh, during the afternoon. I'm like, I'm just going through the boring work, which I love, <laughs> but just very tedious looking at every single option because I like to see that before presenting it to someone. But just being able to see all of the options up front, there's a saying that people are going to believe what they see, not always what they hear. And if someone's process as the consumer, in this case it was you, is to let me see everything, lay it out on the table, and then I can choose what, what is best for me going through the system I'm comfortable with, that is so, so important. You know, I, we're in sales, our company, even though we don't sell. I, since I've been in this business, I still have not asked for the check, I, closing, none of that stuff. It's not me. Um, but how I view it is if it was, if you can provide the same experience with cash value life insurance that Amazon provides, where you get everything laid out on the table, all of the information that is there, and you can pick the option you like the most after seeing it, then all of a sudden the consumer, the customer is as comfortable as possible and it makes life easy. It's also transparent, so you don't have to worry about something coming to bite you after the fact that I didn't know that situation. Um, so I'm, I'm sensitive to those, those items I just mentioned, but, um, yeah. I, and I Steve, agree. <laughs> and the other, I'll tell you the other piece for us that was really big, this is part of our criteria that we asked all of these different firms is when we came to you and said, can you provide us with a couple of referrals, a couple okay. of people that we could talk to as references. And I remember you sent me a list of people and not only did you send me a list of people, you sent a list of people that had similar focuses we did and similar, um, attainments and goals. And, and I remember having conversations with them and some of them I actually, you only know, notice I still talk to the day because we make connections because they're like-minded in business or whatever the case may be. And that was really encouraging, right? So whenever we asked firms or different places for referrals or references and they balked on that, or they didn't have anyone that they could really refer us to because they've never really designed the policies this way, that was a red flag. And so, so that was part of our criteria as well. It was really, really important because, you know, you can tell me one thing, yeah. but how you treated your customers and somebody's been with you for 10 years or five years, they're, they're going to be straightforward. Right. And so, and so that was really another big piece for us as well in our process. Got it. Now, thanks for mentioning that. Um, maybe we'll try and incorporate that more in our practice, making that available for people who are comfortable taking calls, existing customers call it, comfortable taking calls from interested people. I don't want to overwhelm the people we work with either because it is a courtesy, how I view it on their end. I would, of course, do it for, for you or anyone who asked, but it's still- well, It builds continuity, right? Because yeah. since then, I think I've referred people to you now, you know, some yeah. people to you now, you know, so it builds continuity because I'm comfortable saying, you know, hey, you need to talk to Steve, you know, so so it, it does build that community and that feel that um, goes beyond you're by yourself in this big organization, you know, so it makes your organization really small. I mean, you have a great team. I talk to your people all the time. I just spoke with someone last week and but we're constantly with our strategy having connects, whether it's annually or, you know, I, I think even, you know, quarterly, I'm touching base with someone in your team about yeah. something, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Usually Stephanie, she's, she's been here among our agents longer than anyone else. She, she's good. She knows her stuff. Yes. Um, 
So let me transition into this. So when we first connected, if you can recall some of the main questions that you had, or if that's hard to recall, things that you liked about the, the product and the concept that you mentioned, but more so things you did not like, or was there anything when you first looked at it, or even when you look at it now to say, you know, if I were to explain this to my friend, to a family member that was working with, you know, someone, they said, hey, this is my brother-in-law that's selling me insurance, but I want to, I want it set up properly, but I also want to give them the business. What advice would you give or points of awareness to say, well, here's some things I really like, but make sure that you ask these questions because this is something I wish I would have asked from the beginning. Does that make sense? Kind of see where I'm, yes. see where I'm going? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, I, I think a couple of things that I struggled with that I, at early on was just the, the fees and expenses, right? Because I know the, the 90, 10 design, you know, 80, 20 design, different designs out there. And I kept harping on the fact, how do we maximize this thing, Steve? I need to just squeeze it, squeeze and maximize yeah. it. And, and so, you know, because my thing is, I didn't want to lose any money. I didn't want any money to go anywhere but back to me. And I realized that, you know, the designs are what they are. But what I really uh, made me feel good is when I looked at those breakpoints. When you talk about, okay, you're going to break even, at, you know, four years, five years, six years. And, and so I took solace in, no, in that knowing that over time, the compound interest and, and it was going to really kick, kick itself in and the performance of the policy uh, was going to overcome that. So, so I think talking with someone, I, I would tell them, look, you have to shift your whole mind and how you think about money, first of all. I think that's the root of it is, is how you think about money It has to be different. You can't go into it with the old mindset. Like, you know, I grew up understanding that you save, 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 save. You have to go into a different mindset of, of you're accomplishing multiple things by leveraging this vehicle it is you're providing security for your family long-term for one. That's the ultimate with the death benefit. Secondly, you, you're, outpacing any bank or CD or anything out there from a savings standpoint, when you think about the interest earned on your, your money that you're putting in there. And then thirdly, um, you have the potential to basically, uh, you know, pull the money back out and leverage it for, you know, your dreams or your businesses or things that you're doing to continue to advance your, your, your goals. And, and I think that that's the big piece. And, you know, it, it almost made me sick. I had a epiphany one time because I sit down and I calculate all the money I had earned in the first part of my career. And, you know, I was like, my goodness, if I still had control of that money, how powerful will I be? You know? And so I said, the back half of my career, I'm going to do it different. And so leveraging these vehicles now, I can basically every dollar I earn, if I so choose, I keep it, right? And, and, and that's pretty powerful by putting it into this vehicle and, and just using it over and over and over. It's like rinse, repeat, just, you know, recycle the money over and over. And so I would encourage my family members or friends or anyone if they had concerns to do their research because everybody's got a different comfort level. Do your research, um, understand the, the design of the policy, understand, you know, exactly, um, you know, the limitations, whether, you know, the MEC limits and things of that nature. Make sure you understand what that looks like. Um, understand your financial situation, right? Um, start where you can start. The amount doesn't matter as much as it does starting. Just start, right? If you start over time, you'll see the benefits and value of it. Because a lot of times people might, might say, well, it's expensive or, you know, I can't afford it because it's this. I'm like, well, for me, I looked at a different say it's more expensive not to because I'm losing money, right? Um, so, so just, and, and I love the fact that policies can be designed to accommodate anyone's situation. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Thank, thank you for all that. Um, one point you mentioned, 
that jumped out at me was the break-even point. So the how do I minimize the fees and have nothing, like no hit up front. So if I can put a dollar in and see that full dollar in cash value in the first year, that would be ideal. And that's when you look at bank-owned life insurance, that is how their products work. Um, now for individuals, it's a little bit different. How I look at, look at it is how do you get as close as possible to that bank-owned life insurance product without triggering a modified endowment contract and you've got the rules of the game. You've got the rules set by the insurance company as far as the premium and PUA limits, then the rules set by the IRS being the MEC limit, other taxable events, and just knowing those rules and staying in bounds, that's important with the policy design. But the break-even point, you know, what you mentioned, getting your cash back as early as possible, I have heard that from entrepreneurs more they put more emphasis on the early cash value than the long-term performance I, i've i've sensed and, and some have expressed this to say hey if you take less cash value up front you'll have more long term which that's a whole nother argument to see how products work and such but what i've seen people get frustrated about there's one um guy gentleman that comes to mind he's a little bit younger than me and his net worth is in the nine figures now he, so he does Quite well, early 30s, right? 100 million plus net worth. I mean, yeah. you're you're moving at that level. I'm always impressed with him. Um, but he was pitched on cash value life insurance, entrepreneurial mindset, similar to yourself. And he said, you know, people tried to sell me on the fact that taking less upfront should give me more long term. And his response was, I don't care. Like how I built my business was with liquidity. No matter where I put it, like if I just put it in cash, I put it here. I want to see it up front because that's an opportunity cost for me. And regardless of what the long-term results look like, he was more interested in that. And when that wasn't acknowledged, he felt ignored and he discarded whoever it was he was talking to and moved on to the next person. Um, but that upfront cash value, having access to it for opportunities, I 100% agree. And there's ways to maximize the upfront and long-term very, very easily. But that's, a, that's an important piece that most people with an entrepreneurial mindset and real estate investors, it's the same thing there, always, always look at um, that. That's the, the big pain point, in my opinion, just from the years of doing this. I, I agree. I think, you know, you think about opportunity loss, you think about, um, you know, having working capital, you're thinking about being able to leverage and have liquidity. All of that's important when you're building a business and, and you're trying to, you know, maximize time, right? Um, you know, stagnant money is dead money. You know, it's sitting there, it's not working for you. So how do you maximize your, your dollar? How do you uh, move faster, right? To be in a position where, you know, if a deal comes up and you want to, you know, put a bid in or move on something, you can do it that day or, or you don't have to shift around things and wait. You can access your funds immediately, right? So it gives you the speed to impact much quicker than um, you know your competition, and, and so it puts you at an advantage, and and also it allows you to build your business or build your generational wealth quicker than others, right? If if you go quicker and and leverage your dollar, so so I, I yeah, it just made so much sense to me, and I totally agree that that's the way to go. And um, you know, it's uh, I know a lot of times, and I I had these thoughts as well. Is maybe I start slow, just get a feel for it, and see what happens. And, you know, we had a discussion say, well, no, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it because we need to optimize it and get the performance out of it versus, 
you know, just playing around with it. And so that's kind of where our mindset went. And we're so happy we did. It's been um, it's been a great experience as allowed us to take advantage of a lot of opportunities and and really change the trajectory of our, our family. So gotcha. Th- thanks for sharing that. And that actually transitions nicely into the next question I wanted to ask, uh, which is what are some ways you're using your policy? Um, and you can be specific as far as how you use it with respect to loans, which I know you don't borrow directly against the policy. As soon as you set it up, you actually asked a question that we hadn't used that concept a whole lot. I'll let you say it before, before I do. Um, but some ways you use the policy as far as leveraging the cash value and what you're actually using it for as well. Yeah. So, you know, see what you're referring to, you know, is collateralizing the the policy a little bit. And uh, so one of the things that I I learned through just the research is, you know, when you take the policy loan, you you repay the policy loan, you repay it because it's your money, you're paying yourself back, but you're also paying the insurance carrier back as well at a particular rate that's set, right? Whether it's 5% or whatever that rate is that's agreed upon. And, And so in my quest of studying and researching, I'm like, that's great, but, and I get it, you pay yourself back, it makes sense, and it can potentially even be, you know, a deduction on your taxes if you have a business and you do it right way to social CPA, I'm not a financial guy, uh, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I said, well, how can I beat that rate? How, is there a way to even beat that rate? And so I said, well, let me do some research. So in my research, I learned that there's a handful, not many, but there's a handful of um, financial institutions across the country that will collateralize your your policy, your loan, and allow you to borrow at a much lower rate than the policy loan um, rate of 5%. And so once again, I put them through the same process I put your firm through and interviewed them, went through that, looked for references, and landed with a um, financial institution that we've partnered with that has, that has allowed us to do that. And so what in turn that does is the interest payback is much less than what you pay back on the policy loan. Um, now, the variation there and full disclosure is with the policy loan, you can pay it back if you choose to, or if you, if you do want to pay it back, you can, or you don't have to. Whereas with the route we go, you have to pay it back at set interval, uh, but the rate is much lower. Um, and so that's the other differential between those two strategies, I would say. Uh, but why we do that and why it works for us is because we we really set up our own family bank. We set up our own bank that we could move offline from funding our, our projects and our businesses and things uh, versus having to depend on a bank. We can fund our own by using this system. And so we've created that structure to allow us to pull the money out uh, to take advantage of, you know, like I said, my wife manages a lot of the properties. So if there's repairs that need to be done, or if there's upgrades that need to be done, or renovations need to be done, or she's launching a new product line, or she just did a whole website, she just built her website not too long ago, and she launched, right? So all of that funds and fuels that based off of um, us just leveraging our dollar over time. Yeah, you've got that personal line of credit there, a business line of credit in that case, because you're using it for business purposes. Absolutely. Yeah, those collateral loans right now, just in the interest rate environment we're in today, so March 14th when we're shooting this, who knows what it'll be tomorrow with everything going on right now. Um, but those have helped so many people because you you brought up, you touched on a good point there. With respect to direct policy loans, the advantage is convenience. I can borrow whenever I want, pay it back however and whenever I want. If I pay it back, it's extremely convenient. I have complete control as the policyholder. The disadvantage and where people are turned off or they just feel that internal pain is with the cost to borrow. 
5%. A lot of times you'll find it at 5%. With the recent 7702 change, a lot of times between, call it right around 4%, sometimes lower or higher. But still, that's high relative to what one can find out in the marketplace. So often what people look at, they say, okay, if my policy is earning, call it a net internal rate of return, not a dividend rate, but a net IRR of 4%, and I'm going to borrow, and the policy's cost to borrow is 5%, it's a negative spread. And analytical individuals will see that immediately, right? Because the dividend makes it sound like it's positive, dividend of six, cost to borrow five, but the net IRR is four. So that is a pain point. It stops some people from doing it or just look at, looking at it. How do I get around that? Whereas the collateral loan, looking at the pure numbers, now all of a sudden, if I have a net IRR of 4%, which will still take some time to get there because I've got the early years, but now I've got a positive spread, I can borrow at three. And also if it's a business loan, like you said before, I can check off on the bank's paperwork. Is this for business purposes? I've got a potential tax deduction. It can put one in a nice position where you've just got that policy is guaranteed to go nowhere but up, got that line of credit, leverage it for a better interest rate. And then if we die, the death benefit takes care of everything in that respect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you're spot on, Steve. It comes down to what I call uh, percentages, margins, and ratios. And so, you know, it's a numbers game. It really is. And so creating that arbitrage allows you to take advantage of these different systems. And, you know, we're, we're big on creating repeatable systems that we can stack on top of each other. And by creating these repeatable systems and processes, it allows that snowball effect over time where, you're, you you know, we talk about generational wealth and building businesses and, and just really, um, uh, you know, being in a position to capitalize on these situations. So, so that's what it boils down to. So that's why we enjoy that strategy. Now, if the rate environment shifts to your point, guess what? We can shift with it and, and we can adjust as well. And so we have the flexibility to, to bounce back and forth as needed, which, you know, they have to make some major, you know, shifts for it to get to the point where we do that, but it could happen, you know? It could. You never know. You've got some fixed loan loan interest rates on your policies. So regardless of what happens, you're fixed there. So that helps in that respect. Yes, yes. definitely. Um, so thanks for, for sharing that. When you actually when you're using the policies, are you primarily using that? You mentioned dwell as business. Do you also use that for real estate deals, that line of credit? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that's probably, I would say, 70-30 split on that. But yeah, most of it, most of it is there um, just for acquisitions or whether it's for repairs, renovations. And uh, it's allowed us to take advantage of um, opportunities that, uh, like I said, we, we probably wouldn't have been in a position. You know, the mindset in the past will save, save up your money. So, you know, think about this, Steve, if you save up your money, you save, save, save for five years. Now you have enough for a down payment on a house. You you acquire that property. And then, you know, guess what? What you got to do again? You got to save another five years to acquire another property or whatever the case may be. Whereas in this model, you know, the money's there. You could, you could take down a property and you could also, you know, still have it growing for you and everything happened there and you can move quicker. You can move quicker and acquire another property in the same year if you want, or just take advantage of the system. So it allows you to move much faster and um, take advantage of deals as they come up and um, and also be more selective. You don't have to be rushed or pressured and um, and and know you're coming from a position of strength when it comes to that. So it, it all comes down to the mindset and how you think about money. And, and, and um, you know, the thing I've really 
learned over the last several years is just being that that money manager and being that steward of funds, right? So we talk about the velocity of money and keeping money moving, um, you know, being that money manager. And when you take on that and being a steward of your finances and steward of your money, you can you can generate it quicker. You can use it in different ways, leverage it in different ways, and um, create these stackable processes that are repeatable and create those arbitrages that you know, it's kicking off passive income at, at certain percentages and things of that nature. And, and I think that's at the end of the day, like we said, generational wealth is our focus, but at the end of the day, have those living benefits, right? Be able to live the life that I could tell you growing up as a country boy in South Carolina, man, I, I, we didn't have a lot, right? We didn't take vacations every year. We didn't travel to places. And, and so, um, to be able to experience life in a different way and, and being able to, you know, help, help others in a different way and give back and and do some of the things that that um i wish you know we had growing up and and support family friends in the community in a different way man that that's that's really what's about it's about the service right and so getting over that mental hump as well and having people think you know it's not about it's not about me it's not about you know us it's, it's about the community it's about the family it's about building something greater and bigger than yourself um, I think that's a lot of our fuel that, that, you know, fires us up as well. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. There's a, a ton more joy in giving to people than there is in keeping it for yourself or receiving. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. So on using the cash value, thanks for going into detail on that. What I want to touch on next is uh, your excellent case study for this, um, the generational wealth concept. Um, to kind of the process we went together with your attorney where we met with, you talked about the team of advisors with her. I liked her a lot because she knew her stuff and she had a level of humility, which is tough to find in attorneys. Nothing against attorneys. I've only talked to so many of them. So don't, if you're an attorney listening to this, don't take it the wrong way. Um, but that can be difficult to find. Um, and she, she had that. I recognized that pretty quickly. Um, but during those conversations, when it comes to estate planning, if I've got a, a moderate size estate and I'm over the estate tax limit, when I'm going to pass money to the next generation, life insurance, death benefit proceeds are included in my taxable estate if I own them as an individual. Not to my spouse, but it is to the next generation. So a concern there is if you have large policies with high death benefits combined with your other assets, the next generation could be subject to estate taxes. So strategies there to get, get the life insurance policies or proceeds out of the estate have to do with different trusts and irrevocable life insurance trust is the most common. There's different strategies, but there is give and take in those strategies where if I go that route with a trust, yes, generational wealth, I leave more money. But then the drawback is access to that cash value is restricted. It is. And if you're using it to build your wealth, that's where it's difficult. And often where people look at these different strategies, and I do this myself with everything, is like, okay, what's the right direction to go? Should I do this or should I do that? Someone tell me what to do so I can make the right choice. And in this case, there's, there's not a right or wrong answer. You can adjust as you go. There's things we definitely need to be aware of as we adjust because um, there's certain IRS rules and timeframes that, that we have to be aware of. But in your particular case, that came up where it's like, all right, well, from an estate planning standpoint, I like this, but then at the same time, I use my cash value. So uh, where you're a good case study in that respect for people listening is 
you don't have to choose one option or the other. It's being aware of everything and saying, here's my goals now, and then I'll pivot as time passes. And then we can just adjust as we go, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And, you know, Steve, you know, we met several times with our attorney and, you know, we talk a lot about a team. It, it takes a team to be successful. This is definitely a team sport, um, you know, and so, you know, our CPA, our attorney, yourself, um, you know, the individuals that surround us in making our decisions was pivotal. And so we looked at it and we looked at the different scenarios, Steve, you know, we talk about what happens if we do this, what happens if we do that. And so at this point in time, we made that decision to stay, stay the course. And we'll adjust as the laws change or, or things change. And we also want to be proactive and say, well, do we create smaller policies that we taper down on some of the larger policies and adjust um, long term? And so, you know, we, we, we put some of those in place as well and start thinking about what that might look like. And so that way we recover if things do change down the road with different laws. And, and so I think it's a little bit of being proactive, but, but necessarily not being so reactionary to every law change or everything that happens that you kind of paralyze yourself or you change your strategy. And so we pretty much take the course, Steve. And, you know, we, we made that decision and, you know, in consultation with yourself and our attorney and others at the table, and we feel good about it. And, um, you know, we'll revisit it, of course, like we always do every year or every so often. And if we feel like um, we need to adjust, we can, um, but we're real comfortable where we are and, and the plan we have in place. And I think the alternative policies will help us offset that, you know, going forward as well to make sure we're well within that state tax limit and things of that nature. So, yeah, I'm with you there. No, thanks for, for mentioning that being proactive and adjusting, adjusting as you go. My, my attorney says the same thing or something similar where she likes to review the overall plan with her clients every five years, because what you think things are going to be like forever right now won't be the same. Things are going to change yeah. no matter what. Sometimes you expect it. Most times we don't. But every five years at minimum, let's review everything and make adjustments as needed because that's life. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. yeah, you met Amy. Amy's the same way. We sit down and we talk about even our trust and how that's set up and who's in the trust and what needs to happen. And as our daughters get older, you know, we're, we're thinking, okay, maybe we'll adjust certain things in there. So it's important you constantly revisit those things. And, um, you know, that's why a team is so important, but also, even in um, policy management, right? You don't say it and forget it. You're constantly evaluating it and, and making adjustments because, you know, I've heard you say this multiple times, life happens, right? So so when life happens, you need to be flexible and adjust, whether it's up or down or sideways, you need to make make uh, make the most of it. So I think it's, it's critically important that you're constantly evaluating your situation. You're constantly uh, consulting with your team of advisors and, and making the best decision you can for you and your family and your future, so. Gotcha. Thank you. So a couple of quick questions I want to ask you here. And then when we wrap up, I do want to just um, talk about briefly the real estate investor courses you have as well. Uh, something relatively new that you're doing, but I liked it when I checked it out. Um, but first, just a couple of questions that are not so much related to cash value life insurance. They could. Uh, but I'll start with this one. If you could go back in time and speak to your younger self, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to try and accelerate just the learning curve and get to where you are now 10 years earlier? Man, yeah, great question. I tell you, I, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, just do it different, right? Um, it's almost like, you know, they say the person who follows a crowd becomes lost in a crowd, you know? So I think just doing it different, man, and really trying to figure out 
early on these strategies, um, you know, so I would say if I was speaking to my younger self, I would say, don't wait, you know, go jump in now, especially on, on these policies. I would have started years ago, right? And um, I think everything happens for a reason, for a certain season, for a time. And so we know we're where we should be. But man, if I knew what I knew now, I mean, it would be, it would be a totally different game, right? You've heard people say that all the time, I know, but that that's the case. It's still, I still would have had to have that nine months, Steve, do the research because I'm analytical <laughs> there. But I probably would have pulled the trigger much earlier in my earlier years with um, setting these policies up and things of that nature. And truth of the matter is, coming out of college, coming out of school, you know, you don't have a lot of money, right? So, you know, you get a term policy, you you know, and that's, that's kind of what we did. That's all we could afford, right? We didn't have a lot of money. So you do what you have to do. Um, but, you know, understanding that there is an alternative. So when you get to a certain point in your career or down the road, you can quickly make that adjustment or you know how to make that adjustment, whether it's converting term to whole life or whether you just take on a whole life policy at a certain point in your career, you do it sooner versus waiting until like when we did. Yeah, got it. Thank, thank you for that. Um, next question here. So favorite failure. What's something you learned the most from where you tripped and fell, but you got back up and moved forward. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I, I, I mean, a prime example is just, you know, real estate, right? I, uh, yeah. when we started in the early 2000s, man, you know, um, I mean, you could pick up a property for peanuts and anybody could get one, right? So when I, when I started in this, in the real estate piece, man, it was, you know, we built a little bit of a portfolio and didn't understand the business behind the financing as much as we should and so you know sure enough 2008 come things change and so we're like whoa what happened here you know the financial crisis hit and so you know it was one of those things where we pivoted our strategy um, during that time and you know we liquidated some things but we also you know picked up some things and just changed our strategy and uh, you know we rebounded pretty pretty nicely from that but it took it was a lesson right I always say you know don't take a loss take a lesson right yeah. take that L that L is lesson and and so we learned from that and um, you know allowed us to come out of it stronger and and uh, grow to where we are today but but yeah man that was um, that was some definitely hard knocks there because you know it's um, it's not easy, you know, dealing with property management. I watch my wife deal with all the time, just the tenants and what they call tenants, toilets and termites, right? I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of upkeep, but, uh, and she, she, she actually enjoys it more than I do actually, you know, cause you know, I focus really on, you know, my occupation, but she, she's, you know, she loves it. She loves the interaction with the, the tenants and people of that nature. But I think uh, for me, it was like, all right, how to adjust the strategy to make sure that we're in a position going forward that doesn't happen again, right? So, got it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, real estate. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I, I'm not a big real estate guy. I mean, I've, my the bulk of my experience is from speaking with people, two people like you. <laughs> that, that's really where it comes from. Um, but I've heard some stories where people have got burned. But I like what you said there. As far as you don't lose, it's a lesson instead. Very nice. No. <laughs> So um, on that point of real estate, so something you recently started was a real estate course, um, and you sent me a link to it, uh, the Real Estate Investors Bootcamp. I like that name, R-E-I-B-C. Um, want to give a little bit of overview on that. Is that. So if I wanted to learn about real estate, for example, take my next to nothing experience, I said, I want to get in this game. Is that what that's designed for? 
It is, Steve. So yeah, myrealestatebootcamp.com. And it's designed and it birthed through actually the last couple of years um, through the pandemic where, you know, my wife and I were talking about how do we empower that next generation? How do we empower others to learn about real estate? And, and we have uh, multiple courses that are offered there that people can sign up for that starts from the very beginning, just terminology, understanding, you know, what, what exactly are the terms you need to know when you're thinking about investing in real estate. It starts there and it works its way up to how to analyze a deal, right? And and, and so the whole focus of the courses is to take someone from um, from step A all the way through the process. And, um, you know, there's a lot of courses and content out there, um, you know, that you can download or you can look at or you can sign up for. But ours is a little different where we actually do a lot of mentoring and coaching. We really help people and we're there throughout the process to walk them through it, uh, even to when they're doing their first deal. And how do you analyze a deal, right? To make sure they're in the best position because it can be scary. You know, when you talk about building a team, you're talking about, you know, is this property a good deal? Is this financing good for me? Is this timing right for me? Is this market right for me? And, and so, you know, we, we help people and support them through that process. And our class and courses are designed to really um, allow people to, to learn, ask questions. And it also builds community. We have several groups of people who've gone through different courses together and they build that community and they've done some deals together. They, they partner and they, they talk about, you know, how they could maybe um, help each other out. And, and it all goes back to that generational wealth we talked about, right? How do we empower others so that they can uh, create multiple streams of income, build generational wealth and uh, truly just do it different? Just do it different. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Myrealestatebootcamp.com. We included a link below if anyone wants to check it out. Um, I like the one thing you mentioned, and then we can wrap up, is explaining the terminology. That that helps so many people. The basics, which a lot of times we neglect to do and we're so familiar with the product or concept, whatever it is that that we spend all, the, all of our time in, we're an expert, you can call it, in that particular field. Explaining the basics and having the awareness that not everyone else is starting at the same level, start at ground zero. And if they know that, they can skip to the next section. Um, but I like that terminology, just to understand the basics is so, so important. And it's something that is often overlooked today because we often think, oh, people would know this basic term here. Maybe, but maybe not. And if we don't, if they don't, we never wanna have them feel inferior or feel like they're, they're stupid or anything like that. Cause I've been there a million times when somebody throws some term at me, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. With some field I'm not, I'm not familiar yeah. with. So just like learning, you know, learning instant banking, right. It was, it was the same thing for me, the terminology, I had to read it, study and learn it and have to understand what it was it mean. We talk about, you know, um, premium or, or, you know, paid up, right. You know, what does it mean? Paid up edition, right. PUA, what is that? Right. It just, it rolls <laughs> so easily off the tongue, but you don't understand it. You have to learn and study it. Same thing in real estate. And so, and so that's really where, where we start. So we have individuals who are novices or basically never invested in real estate who joined the course. We also have people who maybe they have invested in real estate or it's been a while, but we have, uh, we've had agents, you know, take the course who just, they've been on one side of the business, right? They, they sold homes or whatever, but they've never been investors and they joined the course. So, so it, regardless of where you've been, you know, there's a place for you and we, we just kind of, you know, walk you through it. And it's, um, yeah, so it's uh, definitely a really nice curriculum that, uh, that we've set up there. So very, yeah. very nice. That that's good that you're doing that and helping others really learn it in and out. And it, you 
you, both you and Duella are very approachable, so you don't have to feel like it's going to be awkward or anything, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Anything else you wanted to add? I always like to ask that before I end these. <laughs> no, I mean, I think this is, I appreciate the time, Steve. It's yeah. always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you and your team and what y'all do. Um, definitely, we'll have to come back and do another one, dig deeper into the real estate piece. I love getting to some of those strategies and and um, how we've uh, built that team and what that looks like over time. So, yeah. I'm down for that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, Robert. And until next time, we'll talk to you then. Enjoy. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.